so we're in Galatians chapter number 4, verses 13 through 20. I'll read all the verses. A lot of them will be on the screen. Uh, most of them will be on the screen if you want to follow along there as well. It says in verse 13, it says, You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Verse 14. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Verse 15 says, What then has become of your blessedness? For I testified to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you and now change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. So the book of Galatians, excuse me to clear my throat there. The book of Galatians, I'll break it down very simply for those that maybe don't know what the book of Galatians is about. It is a guy named Paul, who was a preacher like me, who went to the, a town, a city, Galatia, right? Galatia is the name of the town. And he started winning people to Christ, and people started coming to church, and a church was formed. There was no church, there was really no Christians. <clears throat> and then Paul started preaching the gospel, and these people who didn't believe started believing, and they formed a church very much like we have this morning. And they were gathering together. And then Paul leaves that church to go start other churches and to do the same thing in another town thinking that everything is okay. It's kind of like when parents leave, you know, and their and teenager is watching the kids, and you're like, I think everything's going to be okay, right? And you're praying as you leave the driveway, Lord, please help my teenager to be responsible, right? It's kind of like that. Paul left, and he thought, I think everything's going to be fine. I think the church is going to be good. Well, he travels, and then all of a sudden, he gets word that things aren't going well, that what he thought should have been happening is not happening in that these people called the Judaizers. These are, the bad, these are like the bad guys, right? My son, who's six, he would say, those are the bad guys, Dad, right? The bad guys, the Judaizers, were religious people who believed in Jesus. They did. They believed in Jesus, but they also said that you had to do these other things in order to really be saved and for God to accept you. There's a term for that that we call legalism. Legalism is when you, when you say... You have to believe in Jesus, but then also you have to do these good works like go to church and read your Bible. That's not true. The gospel is very simple. If you want to be saved and you want to have a relationship with God, it's very, very simple. All you need to do, the Bible says, is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, period. That's it. And so Paul comes back and he says, oh man, now things are messed up. So he writes a letter to the Galatian church telling them they should not be following these false teachers, that the gospel is simply what I just explained to you, and this is the letter that he writes. And there are sometimes in a letter, some of you maybe written a letter like to your spouse or to an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, and you kind of you know, went through like an emotional roller coaster, right? You know, some of you, read, some of you maybe wrote a text message this week, and your text message is like an emotional roller coaster. You're like, hey, you're a really great person. If you ever do that again, I'm going to hurt you physically, you know, right? And you go through this emotional roller coaster in your text message, right? This is exactly what it's like. Paul is writing a letter, and we're like traveling on this emotional roller coaster with Paul. Sometimes he's like, man, you guys are great. And then other times he's like, what's wrong with you, right? And then other times he's like, no, I can understand where you could do that. I would probably do that too. And other times he's like, what is the problem? And so we're trying to like figure out, okay, where is Paul at in his emotions as we go through 
the book of Galatians, and here, in this passage, verses 13 through 20 of chapter, uh, chapter 4, we see that the emotional state that Paul is in, he's kind of, he's kind of taking things a little personal. He's kind of going away from, here's what the, the, the Bible says, and here's what God says. So he starts talking about his relationship with them, the personal relationship that he had with them. And he kind of reminisces a little bit. And in these verses, we kind of get a glimpse of the past, the present, and the future as Paul talks to these people. We see in the first part, I want you to notice the sovereignty of God's plan. The sovereignty of God's plan. It says in verse 13, it says this. It says, you know it was because of a body ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me <clears throat> as, an, excuse me, as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. I'm just going to go ahead and do one big clear of my throat, and that way we'll, we'll cover it. <clears throat> there we go. Thank you. All right, we should be good now. And so we see the sovereignty of God's plan. We see that Paul had some personal pain. Personal pain. Verse, verse number 13 says, You know that it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. What does he mean by that? What he's saying there is simply that we're not sure Paul was actually scheduled to go to Galatia. We don't know his itinerary, if he meant to do that, or if an illness and a pain and a hurt actually kept him from leaving Galatia. Like he was on his way to another town, but he couldn't bear the pain, so he had to stop in the town of Galatia in order to be cared for to move on to another place. I don't know if Paul ever had intentions of being here and starting a church. He may have had different intentions and different purposes, but for some reason he could not deal with his pain any longer. He had to stop and he had to take care of it. And he says this here. This is the first time we're hearing about this. That he says, the reason why I was even here was not because I necessarily was trying to be here, but there was a personal pain that I was dealing with in my life, a bodily ailment that I had to stop and be cared for. And so we not only see that his pain was personal, it was something he was dealing with, but is also his pain, we see from God's perspective, his pain was purposeful. That it was because of the pain that God allowed him to stay in Galatia and lives were changed and a church was started. He says in the second part of verse 13, he says that I preached the gospel to you at first. His pain had a purpose. And the purpose of that pain was simple. Oh, thank you, Ted. Look at Ted, man, my, my friend. Thank you, Ted. How about a hand for Ted? Come on, give me some water here. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate it. Ted, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. If you wanted to come up and correct me what I was saying or what, and then I saw the water. I thought, is he, did I say the wrong thing, Ted? Oh, okay, good. I appreciate Ted. He's been in our church a long time. Thank you, my friend. And uh, now I have to actually drink the water. That's, a, that's the key, right? Because I don't want to waste his trip. So, excuse me for a moment. There we go. All better. And so we see that his pain was personal. Do you ever deal with personal pain? I think you would understand what Paul was going through. We've dealt, a lot of people have dealt with personal pain. Some of it is physical, some of it's emotional, some of it's relational, but all of it's personal. We deal with it. Can I say this this morning? That no matter how personal your pain is, I believe that God knows exactly where you are. And He knows exactly why that pain is happening to you. And you can take hope and encouragement in what Paul experienced. That his pain was personal, yes, but his pain brought him to a place where the gospel could be preached. His pain was purposeful. I think about my grandfather right now. My grandfather 
is 87 years old, and uh, he might be watching right now, but he's not doing well. He's not doing well. And, and I don't know how close you are to your grandfather. My, grand, my dad left when I was two years old, and uh, so my grandfather took the place of really my dad, and, and he's really my father. And so we're very, very, very close. And uh, there's, there's been a lot of different health things that we've been dealing with the last couple of weeks. He's been in and out of the hospital. Of course, it, that's, that's always a, a difficult time. It's even more difficult now with dealing with all the protocols and things like this. And um, he went to the hospital a couple weeks ago, and I thought, man, I just, my prayer, literally, I'm just being, can I just be open and honest? I said, Lord, please don't let him, like, die alone in the hospital. That's, that's what I, I don't want that. And, and so I was praying, I was like, God, just work and, and, and bless. And I, he would call me uh, every now and then, just call me, because he could use a cell phone. And every time he'd call me, he would say, hey, he said, Steve, he goes, guess what? He goes, I got a new, I got a new nurse today, and I told him, I told him about you. I told him about your church. And I, I told him, no, you can watch my grandson. He's a pastor. You should watch my grandson. He goes, I'm up. He told me that he says, I'm up to six of them now. I got six, six nurses now that I'm talking to, right? And, uh, and, and so we, we, a couple weeks ago, we were doing a uh, video and we talked about wearing your shirts and excited. And a lady got on to the live stream and she, she shared her name and she said, Hi. She goes, I've been taking care of your grandfather. And he has told me so much about you. Like, I can imagine that's an understatement, right? He has told me so much about you. And she said, I'm going to watch. And a couple weeks ago, she watched online and was able to enjoy our service. Here, I'm going to tell you something right now, that pain is personal. You say, well, man, I don't want my grandfather to be in the hospital. But yeah, but maybe God does. And maybe God is using his pain for a purpose. Maybe this morning, God is using your pain to bring you to your purpose. And you're trying to move through. And you're trying to get to the next town. And you're trying to stay out of the hospital. And God is saying, no. You may think that you want the pain to go away, but I promise you, even though it is personal, even though it is deep, even though it hurts so bad, I'm telling you, I have you exactly where I want you because I'm never going to bring pain into your life without a greater purpose. And we see Paul's pain was personal. It was purposeful. We also see his pain made him vulnerable. You know, back in Bible times, it was, it was very looked down upon to be sick. Matter of fact, you even read in the story of Jesus when he heals the blind man, one of the Pharisees says, who did sin, him or his parents? As if blindness was connected to wrongdoing. So Paul here comes to this town and he knows he's weak, he's vulnerable, he's sick, and he's wondering, I wonder how these people are going to accept me. I wonder if they're going to look down upon me or they're going to accept me as a preacher and accept my message and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was very vulnerable. He says, though my condition, verse 13, was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me. Paul saying, listen, you knew that I was sick. You knew that I was weak. You knew that I was vulnerable and you accepted me anyway. And he said, I want to say thank you for that. I know I was going through personal pain. Going through purposeful pain. I know God had a plan, but you had to decide to accept me or not. And you didn't look at my weaknesses. You didn't look at my failures. You didn't look at my shortcomings. You looked at me and said, hey, we love you. We accept you. You know, sometimes people are really good at hiding their weaknesses. You know, church is a place sometimes where we think we have to hide our weaknesses. We got to come in and we got to think, okay, I have to make sure, like we, well, we walk from the parking lot and we think, okay, 
The goal today is to convince these people that we have no problems. Right? This is the goal. And sadly, I would say this, some, some of us are very good at that. And we walk into church, and there's a reason why sometimes people don't even come to church. Why? Because they think it's for those people that don't have any problems. Can I tell you this? You couldn't be more wrong. Hey, this church, I don't know about the other church you came from. That church may have been like that. But I'm going to tell you, this church is a place where you can just be yourself. This is the place where you can be open about your weaknesses. This is a place where it's okay to not be okay. And sometimes we're just not okay. How are you doing? I'm not doing well. How's it going? It's not going too good. And it's okay. And as a church, we need to be a place where we are accepting and loving and open and helpful and encouraging. Say, come on in. We're so glad that you're with us today. Yeah, you got problems? Join the club. Me too. Oh, things are not going good for you? Yeah, me too. Had a tough week? Yeah, me too. It's okay to not be okay. Why? Because before Paul was healed, he had to first be accepted. You see, religion teaches that you first get healed and then you're accepted. The gospel says you're accepted. Religion says, okay, you want to like be a part of this? No problem. Here's the list. Right? And long as this is good, and this is good, and this is good, and this is good, and you do all these different things, then we'll accept you. May we never be a church. I love my church Sunday. May we never be a church where people feel like they have to be healed before they're accepted. May we always be a church where we say, you're accepted. Just the way you are. Well, you know, we'll accept them if they'll decide to change. No, no. Well, we'll We'll accept them if, no, no. Hey, we don't change anybody. I don't change anybody. God works in their life. And if you need to grow in your relationship with God, you just keep coming. You just keep coming and finding acceptance. Acceptance is the optimal environment for change. We see, see, Paul had to be accepted before he could be healed. And we see here that his message brought about miracles. So he takes the time to reminisce. He goes back and says, remember when, guys? He says, remember when I first came to you? I wasn't even supposed to be here. And I was like traveling to another town and then I got really sick and, and I realized, oh, God used that sickness even though I wanted to go somewhere else. It had a purpose. And so I began to preach the gospel to you and you accepted me and you helped me and you encouraged me and you were my friend. Thank you so much. And God did a miracle. It says in the next verse, it says in verse 14, it says, but receive me as an angel of God as Jesus Christ. He wasn't saying that they looked at him as Jesus Christ because Paul would never put that on him. He would never say, oh, I'm Jesus Christ. He was saying that you received the message that I preached to you, that you received Jesus. These people didn't know about Jesus. And all of a sudden, this guy who's kind of sick comes and starts saying, hey, listen, I'm a preacher and I need a bed to sleep on because I'm dealing with some personal pain, but I know God has me here for a purpose and I know I'm a little vulnerable. Am I accepted? Oh, I am? Great. Let me tell you about the man who's changed my life and he can change your life. Let me tell you about the hope that can be found, not in religion, not in good works, not in coming to church. Let me tell you about the hope that can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the people received his message and God began to do an incredible work there. People were being saved and lives were being changed and and God was transforming lives. By the way, the gospel, the death, 
the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ transforms lives. You can't change your life on your own. You can't make enough resolutions. You can't figure it out. You can't just turn over a new leaf and just be a better person or be more moral. Listen, that all ends in coming short of what God wants. God says, if you'll call upon me, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can't be good enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't be religious enough to get to heaven. Only through the Lord Jesus Christ can you have a home in heaven and a relationship with God. And this is what these people believed for the very first time. They thought we, they said, we never heard this before. We never heard this. We thought, you mean to tell me that I would, and people started coming, and God was working in a powerful, powerful way. We see that God was bringing incredible, incredible revival, and just men positioning this church for incredible things. I'm going to ask my friend Luke, Luke Barton. You there, Luke? Can you come up and, and help me there real quick? I need, I need a hand. Luke did not know I was going to call up on him because I knew if I asked him beforehand, he'd probably say no. So he's going to help me. Luke, can you grab those signs over there real quick? Okay. Don't turn. This is like a magic trick. Don't let the people see the signs. All right. Okay. This is really important. Okay. And so we see here that Paul is talking to these guys and he's telling them, he's saying, look, he's saying, he's saying, you know, man, God's done a great work. Some of you are wondering, what's behind those signs? All right. Okay. I'll tell you in a minute. I'll tell you. Hang on. Okay. If I could sum it up, come over here, Luke. If I could sum it up, the, the, the church of Galatia, here, hold that up so the folks can see it there. All right, there we go. Wonderful, okay? If you could sum up where the church of Galatia was at at this moment right here, they would say it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. By the way, I, I, don't, I hope you like this. I asked my wife to write this. I was, like, I was like, Becky, can you write these words? And she told me no, actually. And um, I was like, wait a minute. Like, I'm, I'm the pastor. You're supposed to like, do that when I tell you to do that, right? She's like, no. She said, you have really, she said, you have really nice man's handwriting. I was like, okay, yeah, that's right, okay. Good night. She said, you have really nice hand, handwriting. Good night. I'm like, okay. So if you don't like this handwriting, it's blame my wife. She should have done it, but I, but I did it anyway. So here's the Galatia was a church. They were experiencing revival. I mean, people were coming to Christ. Man, people were being saved, and they were accepting people. What a wonderful thing. It was all about Jesus, but then all of a sudden, Verse 15 and 16, something changes. He says, in verse, 16, verse 15, he says this. He says, what then has become of your blessedness? For I testify that you, if it possible, would have got your eyes and given them to me. Have I become your enemy by telling the truth? Whoa, wait a minute. What happened? Like what? It was all about Jesus. Now all of a sudden, Paul says, where's your kindness? It's faded away. Where's your support? It's no longer there. And where's your relationship? You think I'm your enemy now. What in the world happened? It's almost perplexing to think that it was all about Jesus. God was blessing. God was working. God was moving. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it seemed like everything changed. Paul said their level of love for him was so, so powerful. A lot of people don't, well, we don't really know what Paul's bodily ailment was. The scripture doesn't really say some scholars believe that it had to do with his eyes. His eyes, he had some uh, difficulty with his eyes. And he even references that in verse 16 where he says, you would have gouged out your eyes, your good eyes, for my bad eyes. This is the level of like, loyalty and relationship that they had. And all of a sudden he says, what happened? Now am I your enemy? 
now where's your blessedness? Where's your kindness? What happened? It went from the sovereignty of God's plan. God was working. It was blessing. All about Jesus now till we see, Paul points it out, he finally reveals what's going on and we see the subtleness of divisive people. The subtleness of divisive people. Number 17 says this, they, each of you, who's he talking about? He's talking about the Judaizers. Those religious guys, the bad guys, Miles would call bad guys, the bad guys got in. After Paul left, the Judaizers came in. And he says, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that they may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. See, they were strategic in their persuasion. This church was all about Jesus, focused on Jesus, seeing lives changed, seeing new people come to church, seeing God do incredible miracles, seeing baptisms, seeing new families come. It was all about Jesus, and a few people didn't like that. They didn't like the way things were going. They didn't like that new people were taking their spot. They didn't like that things were changing. And so they weren't vocal about it. I don't think anyone in the church got up and said, I just want to say I don't like any of this. You see, divisive people aren't like that. They're subtle. They're subtle. Hey, Luke, is it? Oh, man. So how, how long have you been coming to this church? I don't care. Don't, you don't have to answer me. All right. Yeah. Just joke. Hey, listen, man. I know, I know, I know, you know. I know you're excited about Jesus and all, but you know, what do you think about, what do you think about, do you like the color purple? Because, you know, I think, I like red lights. You know, they got these purple lights now, you know? I think we should, what do you think, you think red's a good color? See, he, he don't care what the color is, he's just about Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't, what does he care about the color of the lights are? He's just, he's just glad that Jesus saved his life, and now he's a, trying to be a good father and a good husband, and he's trying to live his life. He doesn't care about, but some people want to make it, they want to say, you know what, no, 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 listen, I know it's all about Jesus, hey, but, but listen, what you need to do is, in a church, you need to say, no, 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 wait a minute, what about me? What about me? This is exactly what's happening in this, in this passage. That they went from being a church that was all about Jesus to some subtle, divisive people said, hey, you know, you've been going to this, you know, I mean, you were here before a lot of people. You know, I mean, I mean, come on now. I mean, you really think this is a good direction? You, you really think that Paul, you really think that Paul knows what he's talking about? Hey, why, why don't you come over to my house uh, later this afternoon? We'll talk a little bit more. We'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk. You know, we talk, right? Because I'm telling you, man, you deserve, listen, you des- you've been a part of this thing. You deserve a lot more than what you're getting. Subtle. Subtle. It went from being all about Jesus to what about me? What about me? The subtleness. They were, they were strategic in their approach. They, they said, if we can get them to stop thinking about Jesus and start thinking about themselves. And anytime God does a work in a church and God wants to bless a church and God wants to position a church and God wants to do great things in the church, you know what? You know what the biggest danger is? in that church, is that we stop thinking about God and we start thinking about us. What do I get out of it? Well, how come I can't be a part of it? Why can't I do that? I used to do that. I used to, what about me? You say, why are you talking about this? It's the next chapter and the next verse. What about me? And here's the thing. Paul points out to them. He says, listen, that's not even their complete goal. Because they may, he said, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. And sometimes people come along, and they'll act like your best friend. Some you know some divisive people I'm talking about, right, in your life. And they say, man, you're awesome, man. 
You're, you're, you're awesome, bro. Everybody say that. That's the best black mask I've ever seen anybody wear. I mean, this flannel shirt, just amazing. Man, you're an awesome guy. Hey, listen, what do you think about the other day when they had that little thing going on? He said that. You, you agree with that? He said, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They're not, trying to, they're not trying to encourage you. They're not trying to talk about Jesus. They're trying to get you to agree with them because ultimately, it's not about Jesus. And it's not about you. Ultimately, it's all about them. It's all about what they want. You see, divisive people, the goal of their divisiveness is to always get you to agree to their agenda. They're using you. They're trying to get us distracted from what God wants in our church and in your life. You see, what they did was they changed the conversation. The conversation was, look what God is doing. Look how people are coming. Look how people are being saved. The conversation was all about Jesus. They said, you know what? If we can change the conversation among the, the churchgoers, if we can change the conversation, if those are talking about themselves and what they want and how they don't get this and they don't get that, then we can get in and get what we want. So listen, I'll tell you this. It's very important to understand this. The conversation in a church will always reveal the condition of that church. It's not about what's set up here. It's what's set out there. And if we're going to be a church that experiences God's blessing and God's potential, if we're going to see God work in ways we can't even imagine, then we've got to stop talking about what we want. I'm not saying that's happening, by the way. That's not happening here. I don't know any instances of that happening. I'm just saying that we have to be careful. And we have to start, continue to put the focus on the Lord. By the way, I love the conversations happening at Heritage right now. I love the fact we're talking about new people. I love the fact we're talking about, oh, we ran out of bulletins. I love the fact that we're talking about, look at how many kids are in the, in the kids thing. I love the fact, I'm, I can get excited right now. I'm about to do, some of you new here, you don't know how it gets in here. I get excited here. I get do some gymnastics here a little bit. I'll tell you, because God is changing the conversation here. And God is pointing and saying, listen, it's not about you. It's not about what was. It's not about what you need. It's about God. And people are coming in. People are being saved. The baptism waters are being stirred. Kids are learning about the Lord Jesus Christ. The community is coming on the property. And that's what we're talking about. I love it. And may we be a church that always keeps the conversation, not about us, but about what he is doing. Amen. About what he is going to do. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, and verse 27, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or else I'm absent, I may hear that you stand firm with one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Why would, why would Paul take the time to walk them through this? Because he understood, man, the sovereignty of God's plan. God had positioned them to do something great. And God was doing something great. But then some, some subtle, divisive people came along and started questioning what God was doing. Changed the conversation. And Paul says, listen, you can't allow it to happen. Why? Because he, he points out the stewarding of unthinkable potential. In the last part in verse 19 and 20, he says, As my little children, for whom I am in, in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone for I am perplexed about you. He says, you don't understand. He said, listen, I'm not rebuking you. I'm not mad at you. He says, I'm just trying to remind you of the potential that God has for you. And if we'll stop thinking about what we want and we'll start focusing on what God wants, God can do unthinkable things in your church and in your life. You know, Every time a baby is born, new possibilities come into the world. You know, a baby could be born today that could be the doctor who, who 
cures cancer. A baby could be born today who could be the next world leader. A baby, your, your children could, we don't know the potential of children. And when anytime a baby is born, we think, what is going to happen? What are they going to do? What are they going to accomplish? You know, it's the same thing in the church. You know, when somebody accepts Christ as their Savior, they're like, like, kind of like a, you know, a child in Christ. And now we think, what is the potential that they could do if they just focus on what God wants? You see, when Christians realize their spiritual potential, the church is positioned to make a big impact. I don't know about you, but as a pastor here, I can say this, oh, I love my church Sunday. I want God to use our church to make a big impact. A big impact. I want God to reach as many people as he'll allow us to reach. I want as many people, families and teenagers and young adults to come in who are lost, who are needing something, who are smiling on the outside but crying on the inside, who are families who are broken and hurting. I want them to find the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want them to come in and find a church where it's like, well, don't sit there and don't do this. This is all about us. It's all about what we want. We don't care about... I want them to find a church that's all about Jesus. You walk in, you're accepted, you're loved. Let us share with you the message of Jesus Christ. And we see God do unthinkable things unimaginable things. Things we don't even think. Listen, you say, well, we're just a small church. Yeah, but we have a big God. Hey, well, we're just a little tiny church. Yeah, but we got a God who is greater than all things. He is sovereign over all. And I just believe that God is big enough to do something big. I don't believe that God is in the business of doing small things for some people. I believe God is in the business of doing big things for every person. And I believe we need to trust him and say, God, you know what? We're not going to make it about us. Man, we're not going to worry about the agenda here. We're not going to worry about it. It's about me. We're going to say, you know what? Hey, it's all about Jesus. Why? Because when we realize what God can do through us, then we say, God, do a great work in us, in our lives, in our church, for your honor and for your glory. Here's a question this morning. What can God do through you? What can God do through you? Maybe I'll say it this way. What will you allow God to do through you? I believe that God has great potential for your life. Say, but Pastor Steve... And you don't, you don't know where I come from. You're right, I don't. But God does. You don't know what I've done. You're right. But God does. You don't know how messed up I am. Some of you might say that. I'm messed up. Some of you, I'm messed up. You don't even know. I know. But God does. And God says, hey, you're accepted. You're loved. You're cared for. Receive me. And then believe but I'm going to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. I love, I love my church. I love this church. And I love that God has taken our personal pain and brought us all together for a purpose. There's not one person in here who's not experienced some level of pain in their life. But here we are together. Why did God allow us to come together. Because I believe that God has a great purpose for us. And as a church, if we'll stop worrying about everything else, we'll stop listening to everybody else, and we'll make it all about Jesus, it'll be unimaginable what God is going to do. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you. God, thank you for your goodness and love.